You're listening to Neurodiversity at Work. Today's episode is sponsored by Optimize. Optimize is a unique training platform that helps companies hire and retain neurodiverse talent. They are already working with an amazing client list globally. I actually first came across Optimize when I met CEO and founder Ed Thompson at an event. Ed's talk inspired me to actually do this podcast and all the other interesting and fascinating things I'm getting involved in around neurodiversity. If you want to find out more about Optimize and their work, head to optimize.com. That's Optimize with a Z. I also interviewed Ed in episode two, so why don't you go and check it out there? Today on the podcast, I'm joined by the one and only High Contrast, probably the leading drum and bass producer in the world at the moment. And I get to talk to him about how he creates his music and it is off the chart, incredible, fascinating stuff. Lincoln has been up for a Grammy only recently. He provided the music at the beginning of the London Olympics and he creates incredible music. And the music at the beginning of this podcast, music is everything, is one of Lincoln's early tracks. I've known Lincoln for a long time and I'm really, really pleased to have him on today's podcast. You are absolutely going to love this. Lincoln, welcome to the podcast. It, it, it is a real pleasure to have you on. Um some people will know you as High Contrast, not necessarily as Lincoln Barrett. But Lincoln, would you like to introduce yourself, let people know who you are, what you do? Yes, indeed. Um, thanks for having me on. Uh, I'm Lincoln, aka High Contrast, and I'm a drum and bass producer, remixer and DJ. Um, and I've been doing it for about 20 years now. Um, and I've... Um, Remixed all sorts of people like um, Adele, The White Stripes, um, Missy Elliott, and uh, yeah, I, I DJ and I've got a live band as well. Um, so yeah, you can catch me at festivals and clubs all over the world. Yeah, and that l- live band stuff is absolutely uh, incredible that you that you've done that. And I remember. Growing up, um, I, I remember seeing you on stage because you've, of course, you've uh, you've been an MC. Uh, uh, oh, some wow, people, yeah. I, re- I remember yeah. you, be- and I remember some of the drum and bass and the bands that were going on at the time. Um, so, I mean, you've taken it to a whole different level. I, I mean, I think you, uh, I think the way you've described yourself, it, it, I would say that you're probably one of the leading drum and bass producers in the world at the moment. Oh, thank you. Um, which is which is incredible. And you were up for a Grammy a couple of weeks ago in LA. That's right. Yeah, I got nominated. Um, I guess the the other like uh, big achievement was 
doing the music for the the London Olympics opening ceremony uh, in 2012. Um, so that those are the things that look good on your uh, CV, you know. Absolutely. Well, I remember watching the opening uh, of the Olympics and hearing your music, and I thought, <laughs> "Whoa, that, it, it's just drum and bass." On a global level, for the beginning of the Olympics, I never would have thought I would have yeah, seen yeah. it or heard it. Yeah, crazy thing. Yeah. yeah. So 20 years uh, or more, perhaps, um, yeah. doing drum and bass. I remember back in the day um, when we used to go to a, a pub. I can't even remember the name of the pub now, but when you used to run an event called Neuropol, where oh, yeah. for me it all kind of started. And I still have the, the little... Oh, wow vouchers and tickets in a little box you know that you used to give out the flyers yeah yeah that was in the, the basement of the Oz bar and um yeah that was the, the first event I kind of organized with a few of my friends and uh my first kind of real DJ residency um kind of where I cut my teeth as a DJ so yeah you were there at the very beginning yeah I absolutely loved it so how did that come about how did you end up um, you know, becoming uh, the producer, music producer, because that wasn't where you started, right? No, no. Um, I think since I was a little kid, I fell in love with films and then quickly got into filmmaking when I was about 10. And so everyone was like, oh, he's going to be a film director, you know, and um, that's what I wanted to do. And, and so then uh, I left school and went to college when I was 16 to study media. And that's where I, we may have met before that through our parents. But I, I think we met like properly when I was at um, that college. Yeah. And then um, after that, I went to uh, Newport Uni to study film. And uh, somewhere along this line, I lost my passion for filmmaking um and discovered electronic music and drum and bass and realized that you know to make a film you've got to have an army of people whereas to make electronic music you can do it all on your own um and as someone who i don't know i guess i've always been more kind of comfortable on my own working on things uh in an obsessive manner it just it just really clicked and, and making drum and bass just kind of took over my life and just became this thing I, I did every day. Um, and I had no real kind of goals or, or any thought of the future. I was just in the moment enjoying what I'm doing. And um, just before I graduated from uni, um, I got offered a record deal. So I just went straight into a, a career as a drum and bass producer and DJ. I remember it. Wow. And you've become the the Quentin Tarantino of drum and bass production, wow. right? <laughs> so, wow, thank you. I'll take that. Yeah, he's one of my favourite directors. So uh, uh, he's definitely a big inspiration for me and influence, you know, and it, his, his soundtracks are always uh, an event. And, uh, um you know, that was the first type of music I got into was film soundtracks, you know, uh, as a kid. And um, but I had no interest in music. This is this is the weird thing when I tell people now, because they just know me as Lincoln, the musician. 
but you know up until I was 16 I never even listened to the radio you know and I had no concept of what was going on in music I was just into film obsessively and then um it was like a, a switch got flicked and then suddenly I became obsessed with music and lost interest in, in film, you know, and I, I went from watching three to 400 films a year growing up to, to watching one or two a year. You know, it was, it was such a radical um, shift once I, I found this passion for making drum and bass. Um, and then it took about, I don't know, eight years before I started to get back into film again and, and I started to make music videos for my tracks and other people and um, kind of got more into film and, and now I'm I, you know I'm back watching lots of films again but yeah it, it was like uh, drum and bass just hit me you know like a truck it was just uh, this thing that took over my life. I remember sat in I think it might have been Dave Shaw's car one time I think I can't remember for sure but you pulled out a CD and that CD had like all the original sounds and so for example for hip-hop music I was in some rap and some hip-hop yeah. and some other stuff and I remember at that time you pulled out this CD and you put it in and you said Theo do you know what this is from Theo do you know what is that from and they uh. were they were like the the original soundtracks that were sampled into these uh, hip hop tunes. Right. Yeah. And, we, and, and that's why when I say, you know, the Quentin Tarantino of music, because actually that is what you've done. You've been able to take some incredible sounds from the past and kind of um, sew them in to yeah, uh, these right, incredible okay. drum and bass yeah. sounds. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like sampling is is what really. Um grab me about the music because um you know i had all this knowledge of films and soundtracks and then when i heard drum and bass and they was and jungle and they were sampling bits of dialogue and music from films i knew like taxi driver or the usual suspects or apocalypse now and suddenly i was like oh wow this is a music that is taking bits from the films I love and weaving it into this kind of uh, tapestry of, of sounds. And, and uh, it's not so much about playing an instrument as it is building this soundscape out of existing sounds. And I was like, well, this is something I can get into because I know so much about movies. I know all these great lines of dialogue and, and great musical cues that I can you know sample stuff myself and 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 make this music so that that was my way into it um using my kind of film knowledge and and still to this day that you know that that is what i'm doing a lot of the time you know i'm drawing from as obscure sources as i can uh muster you know like films that people have never heard of or obscure records that have been completely forgotten you know i love taking these remnants of the past and, and and weaving them together into something new for today and then you know getting played on huge sound systems to crowds around the world and, and yeah that's one of the things i love about tarantino that he's doing the same kind of thing with movies he's taking bits of old movies and lines of dialogues and shots and and putting it together into it into a new movie so um yeah i i, I do like that kind of remix sampling ethos 
I look forward to the day when I hear one of your tracks on a Quentin Tarantino film. I mean, that that would be uh, that would be the dream. But uh, I think uh, he, he's so tuned into the past. He rarely uses um, modern music. You know, I think um, one of the rare occasions that's happened is uh, in Django Unchained. He used uh, a Rick Ross rap track. Um, but yeah, I, I'm. Uh, it'd be great if it happened, but yeah, I'm, I'm not holding my breath. <laughs> Good. Well, I, I'm going to keep my ears and eyes open just in case you never know. <laughs> yeah. So, Lincoln, the reason why uh, I wanted to chat with you is because I do a lot of talking around neurodiversity, um, and if we think around neurodiversity as a broad concept of, uh, you know, from my perspective, everybody uh, thinks. And acts differently, right? We are all unique. We are all like fingerprints. Um, but there's something particular that you that my dad said to me because I sometimes bore my parents with this. I get I see them. I'm always talking around neurodiversity. <laughs> I don't know whether they want to hear it or not, but I'm going to tell them anyway. Uh, but one time, and this wasn't long ago, uh, because my dad and your dad, from my dad's description, were like best mates. Were yeah. um, growing up, you know. Yeah. I know your dad is Legsy Barrett um Legsy it's simply you know that's kind of the and even to this day that's how uh that's how my dad would would mention your day say Legsy which is is great but it it was it came into a conversation when I was talking about neurodiversity uh that he said your dad was uh neurodiverse he didn't specify exactly what but he said he was definitely Uh neurodiverse uh and then he said something that absolutely fascinated me and he said Oh, and we were having a, uh, I think they were having a chat with your mum even, I'm, I can't remember, you know, at, at some point. And she may have mentioned uh, that you hear in colour. Yeah. And straight away, I was like, whoa, that, that, <laughs> yeah. that is interesting. Yeah. And at the time, he, I, I didn't, we went on to another subject, another conversation. And it's only after a bit of time that I thought about this. Um, and I thought, Actually, what what is it? What is that uh, hmm. in in colour? Um, yeah. And I mean, you can you can talk about it in a sec. But I I just I thought I really have to speak to you to understand more around this. And that's how that's how you're on today. So yeah. what on that basis? Um, what does neurodiversity mean to you uh, as a concept? What do you understand about it? And then tell us a bit more around this hearing in colour and how that translates yeah. to the work you do because actually if people go and see, search out your work they can see actually colour is a really important part mm. of your imagery your music your titles yeah. so actually it, it it really comes across and stands out once you think about that yeah um well going back to my dad uh he was severely dyslexic um but that was never diagnosed when he was growing up because, uh, you know, they, they weren't aware of that back then. And, and uh, you know, I think he had a really difficult time at, at school and got into trouble and was, you know, outright called thick by the teachers and, you, you know, really struggled and um, hated school and, and skipped it, ended up skipping a lot and, and leaving at a very young age. And, um it was only much later in his life that he actually got diagnosed as dyslexic and, and things made a lot more sense, you know. Um, amazingly, his whole 
professional life as a um a booking agent for 50s rock and roll bands and, and a manager of some bands um you know that that revolved around writing letters on a typewriter <laughs> you know that that was like the bread and butter of his job and so it's incredible that he managed to pull that off um with a lot of tip x you know i remember in the 80s as a as a kid you know all the letters he was send, sending out would, would always have kind of tip x things on it but uh, yeah he, you know he was just typing with uh two fingers um his whole life you know and it was only uh, in the last 10 years of his life that he even um started to use a, a computer and uh you can never use a mouse you have to use the, the touchpad but um yeah he he was definitely uh neurodiverse i I don't know if there was other things that were were not um diagnosed um but i guess i uh i am uh, my father's son and uh (laughs) you know we we uh when you put the two of us together when, when when he was alive and uh we'd start talking about films it, it would it would just be like everyone else in the family would just kind of go quiet and sit there <laughs> while we went off on this um monologues to to each other it's not really a conversation it was more like uh, delivering monologues about some obscure film noir that, that he saw in you know 1950 and that i saw at some point and yeah it, it would just be um probably fascinating to people who uh, would, would st- study uh, neurodiversity uh, not kind of normal conversations but you know things that we really enjoyed you know we were both passionate about film like that's where I got my love of film from really from him um but then uh yeah I guess you know him being in the music business that influenced me somewhat and and you know I think he was happy that I went down the path of music as as well um always telling me never to trust uh lawyers or uh <laughs> agents you know um and uh yeah the 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 color thing maybe that is why um i kind of connected with drum and bass so uh quickly and passionately it was just um as soon as I heard it, I couldn't process what it was you know it it was like um I'd never heard drums sampled like that and sped up it was it just had such a texture to it you know because a lot of drum and bass and jungle was built around taking drum loops from funk records from the 60s and 70s putting them into a sampler and speeding them up and then chopping them up into impossible patterns and when i heard uh, like goldie's first album timeless you know, I I didn't even know what hip hop was. Like I I had no concept of modern music. But my my sister bought that album for me because I I thought it was uh, I I got confused watching a program on TV and I, I wanted to get the Method Man album, the hip hop album, but I mistakenly thought he was Goldie when I was watching on TV. And so my sister bought me this Goldie CD and I was like, what the hell is this? This, is, this isn't <laughs> this isn't the Wu Tang. And uh, um, but and so I kind of like turned it off and discarded it and then I I kept going back to it and I was just like this is so weird and and I was just listening to the drums uh, over and over just trying to figure out what the heck it was because 
it's just it was just an alien sound you know it was like the synapses forming in my mind you know it was uh, a new world and uh, that texture in the drums and um the i don't know the emotion there's there's a haunting quality in a lot of drum and bass and jungle and it just created these very vivid colors in my mind you know and um it's like a particular track will trigger a dominant color in my kind of mind's eye and you know as i kind of got into making the music more i eventually heard about this condition i think it's pronounced synesthesia um and it's that thing where you um see sounds as usually colors and some people have it too a debilitating degree you know where they almost can't hear a piece of music because it'll uh, overwhelm their vision you know but and I, I don't have it anywhere near as strong as that but it's it's definitely um if a track really speaks to me then i can see it as a color and then i know with the music that i'm making i'll know a track is working or even kind of finished once i get that dominant color in my mind and um, my first album I called True Colors because um, that is what I was experiencing. Yeah, um, I guess for the first time, I, I, I think growing up, I, I don't know if it was, I just wasn't hearing music I was that passionate about. Or I, I don't know, but it was, it was specifically triggered by drum and bass. And um, yeah, the the the, the colours um, a track doesn't feel right to me unless I, I get this kind of dominant colour. Um, the the other thing is then that the the drums in drum and bass because of the texture they have from being sampled and sped up and processed, they create this um, other kind of image in my mind as well. So I've got like the colour going on, but then that's coming from the kind of emotion of the track and then the drums I see as um like machines in my head you know it's good I, I it's hard to describe but it's like uh almost like a car engine with uh, pistons going and it's like certain drums will have um a more metallic uh tinny sound and that will be like a very metal machine and then there's other drums that have a more wooden kind of sound maybe more acoustic sound but it it creates this like wooden machine that is still got pistons and things and, and steam coming out but it, it's like all made of wood and uh that that's how i kind of see drums in my head and other types of music like say a house beat which you know, it's just, which is a lot more flat to me. And I, I just see those drums as kind of, um, kind of like black blobs, like kind of circles. Each kick drum hit is just this black blob. And it's not that interesting to me, you know, and I think that's, there's a lot of house music I love, but it's not the thing I'm really passionate about. It doesn't, it doesn't have that effect on me the way the the drums in in jungle and, and drum and bass does so um yeah that combination of kind of seeing the colors and and the, the drum machines um is 
uh i don't know i I, i've heard other people talk about colors seeing colors but not about kind of seeing things like that um like the machines uh but uh yeah that that is what works for me um in kind of guiding me in 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 the studio when i'm making stuff it's like the drums won't sound right until i can kind of see it as a machine make of that what you will (laughs) well i think it's absolutely incredible and it's just a really interesting insight to the way you create music i think it's brilliant i also think you know often what we talk about is the challenges that people face um who think and act differently Uh, and they can be a variety of things you know sometimes it's working in open office spaces sometimes it's uh, dealing with people noisy environments it's mm. all these different things that can impact on somebody's mental health and well-being within an environment it doesn't have to be a work environment just within life yeah um, and and we talk about trying to facilitate and support people specifically people who uh, are neurodiverse or neurodifferent are trying to focus on their strengths because actually what we've done is we've created a world that creates um, a lot of barriers and a lot of challenges to people who think and act differently. So that means that the things uh, that they may find more difficult are amplified, um, which for anyone is not nice. It's almost like you walk into a room and everybody tells you what's wrong with you. You know, it's not. Mm. Um, so what I find really interesting is when you get to focus on, we can define it as a special interest or thing mm-hmm. you're passionate about, but when you get somebody to focus on that thing that they're good at that they're passionate about a special interest then what you get is something quite incredible and i think you know that's what you've been able to display with your interest in music and then develop that interest into uh sorry in from movies into music into a specific genre i think that is just incredible and shows the power of what can be achieved if you can um harness your strengths right yeah yeah um and i think you know growing up in school i didn't have um you know any real problems in school i was a a bit of a loner but it it didn't get like bullied really and it, it was okay i got along with the teachers but i just felt i needed to get out of there it felt like a stifling environment and i didn't know what what i needed to do but i just knew i needed to get out of there and so as soon as i did my gcse's i went to study uh media at, at college you know and uh it was a lot freer more kind of artistic environment and i just enjoyed that so much more um and then you know getting into the the music career it totally suited me this type of music, as I said, because it allowed me to work on my own um, without anyone kind of breathing down my neck or having to interact with other people socially. Um, I could just get into my zone and just let my mind take over and make whatever I wanted to make, you know, and, and thankfully I've found an audience that responds to, to what I make when I go into that zone. Um, I think if if I'd had to work in an office, I think I would would have really struggled, you know, um, or at least not thrived. 
the, the way I have. I just, uh, I'm just one of those people that needs to be kind of left alone to go into their head and just come out with stuff, you know, and, um, ironically then, you know, the flip side of being the lone producer in the studio is that you then go and DJ or perform with a band and, um, you know, you're on stage in front of often thousands of people and, uh, you know, you're, you're in the very hectic environment of a nightclub or a festival, which on paper, uh, shouldn't be my cup of tea, but weirdly i i feel pretty zen like and tranquil when i'm in uh festivals or, or clubs it's like um i guess as as long as i'm there to perform and i i think it's that thing of being kind of uh the calm in the center of the storm you know and and i, I like being you know on the decks on stage where I'm just getting into a zone there and it's like everyone else is kind of going wild in the club, but I'm actually very chill uh, and, and centered there. Um, and so thankfully I, I never get any kind of um, anxiety or, or uh, nervousness about performing. Um, if I have to go to a shopping center, that is much more of a, a struggle for me, you know. I uh, I really don't feel comfortable, and uh, I wouldn't say I get panic attacks, but definitely kind of um, some anxiety going on, and uh, kind of have to keep moving and and get out of the shopping centre um, pretty sharp, you know. Um, so yeah, it, it, people you know who kind of know me personally and see me as this kind of uh a bit of a hermit guy you know they're they're always kind of surprised that i go out um and perform in front of uh, thousands of people at clubs or whatever but um yeah somehow the that works for me well i suppose uh, also you're you're sharing your music uh, and i guess mm. if if you if if the beat has that kind of power that resonates with you and, and I guess, um, you know, you've almost feel the music, then I suppose yeah. maybe that provides some, you know, that puts you in that yeah. kind of zen yeah. place. And I think maybe because it's so loud, it's like, it's just kind of blotting everything out, you know, whereas if I go to, um, a shopping center or uh, a restaurant that's noisy, you know, and they've got like music playing at an annoying volume. That's like not too quiet, but not loud enough, you know, and, and then there's everyone talking and the, yeah. sound, the sounds bouncing around that really puts me on uh, edge. Um, but then I think with, with the music at clubs and festivals, it's like, it's so loud that it's just, almost i don't know if it's white noise or something you know but it, it just kind of feels like everything is is um blotted out so it just kind of it's almost like silence to me you know and do you use as part of the tech that you use do you have i, I imagine headphones are they like you know noise reduction or do you use any other tech like that to get through those situations or is it literally just the the level of noise of the music actually resolves it all for you yeah, I I don't wear um, 
headphones like I, I it's just like one of the quirks of me DJing it's like I, I, I'll bring one of the ear cups up for like a couple of seconds to get it in time but then it's off again it's like I don't want to listen to the music on the headphones I, I want to hear it loud when I'm in a club you know and I, and I do wear earplugs so that maybe is like another kind of way of making me feel protected that I'm kind of in this um shell in a way with with the earplugs in but I mean it's still loud you know it doesn't it's not giving you a total ear protection but um it's you know if I think about it if you think of actors some of the brilliant actors who uh, they were they only came to life when they were on stage right, they as yeah. themselves um were not necessarily somebody who wanted to be walking down a red carpet, wanted to be in tune, wanted yeah. to be talking to people. But the minute they get on stage, some of the best method actors, they just become yeah. that person, like every part of them, maybe obsessively so. You know, they, yeah. they get into um, the deep, deepest, darkest depths of this individual. Mm. And I suppose there's something in that, isn't it? That it, it, you know, it is all different types of brains that can create incredible yeah. music incredible theater um it's just a different route to how they make that happen sometimes it's through uh, energy um just generally in life uh, i'm probably more of the outgoing person right yeah. um but sometimes it is around that um being able to get into that quiet place uh, that zone um yeah. which i think maybe that's a place that you find some level of serenity with that music right yeah yeah, and I think um, yeah, over the years, the the different um, drum and bass producers, like my contemporaries that you know I've met um, and worked with, I can see that a lot of us are on coming from a similar place, you know, of being um, more comfortable on our own working obsessively on a thing you know in into the early hours of the morning you know it's uh it's definitely drawn in uh people with similar mindsets you know and um i i guess you can see that like if you've got a certain wiring in your head you'll be drawn to to certain occupations and and uh, things to do you know um like i i would not feel comfortable getting up on stage to act you know i don't like using my voice so much you know i still kind of struggle with that a bit on stage it's like being one or two songs where i have sung on it and um yeah that's not my favorite thing to do you know get get on the mic but um other people you know thrive on that so, I've seen you up there spitting the lyrics out. You're not bad. Ah. <laughs> wow, yeah. Yeah, I guess the, back back when we were in our late teens, I was uh, I was in like a heavy metal band, rapping, yeah. Brilliant, I remember it. <laughs> <laughs> so thinking around the, the future then, Lincoln, what what's yeah. what's happening now in your life? What uh, what have you got going on? New album coming out? I mean, you've you know you've been up for a Grammy. You yeah, right. had your tunes on the Olympics. I mean, you're probably known on all four corners of the earth. 
I mean, what what else is there to do? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, the I'm working on a new album um, that is going back to the 90s sound that the kind of more jungly but also kind of that old school hardcore sound and um i'm actually using equipment from the 90s which i didn't use back then you know i've always just used a computer but i'm actually really uh, enjoying changing my process now um and so i've gone back to use the old hardware and even using floppy disks you know and um it's like I, you know, I, I'm not, I'm not doing it like out of nostalgia, really. It's, it's more that it's changing the process, and and that is interesting to me after 20 years of working on a computer to now be more hands-on, tactile, using you know physical objects, and um, it changes the way I'm making the tracks, and it changes. The things I come up with, you know, so it's it's kind of fascinating to me to uh, have this new um, set of tools to work with, really. And uh, so, yeah, this new album is kind of built around using this old equipment. Um, You just have to deal with uh, one and a half megabytes of memory on a floppy disk. (laughs) Can't wait for that one to come out. (laughs) Absolutely Uh, cannot wait. And then, uh, you know, I've, I've also, uh, I guess over the last 10 years, I've been trying to write film scripts, you know, and um, I did write one feature length script and uh, it was maybe too ambitious and I haven't been able to get the people to anyone to fund it, you know. Um, so I'm trying to write things that are more low budget that I could realistically you know get get made maybe maybe off my own back um but um it's hard to kind of find the time to concentrate on writing when music is my career and and it's so fun making music you know you can jump on the computer and get a track going pretty quickly you know whereas uh writing and, and making a film is a very very long process uh, so i don't know if i've just got too short an attention span uh, these days but uh yeah i'm trying i mean i still hope one day to i still hope one day to make a film definitely well lincoln uh, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you uh, and i'm so i'm so pleased my my dad mentioned this ah, um, yeah. and it gave us the opportunity to to chat and uh yeah I, you know i recommend anybody to who who isn't aware of music to go and go and hear it but i can't imagine this many people anymore (laughs) (laughs) that have not heard it even if they weren't aware of it right yeah cool well uh, yeah it's been great to talk with you man brilliant very much appreciate it lincoln and best of luck thank you see you see you mate this episode was brought to you by optimize the neurodiversity training platform for employers If you think your business could benefit by doing more to attract and retain people who think differently, visit Optimize's website at optimize.com.